John chapter 9. We'll start in verse 1. Maybe just read a few verses. And as Jesus passed by, He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And His disciples asked Him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation, sent. And he went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, when they had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. That's all we'll read. Maybe we'll look at another verse or two in a little while. But if you look back at the 8th chapter of John, just to kind of get where we are, there's Jesus in the temple and He's speaking to the Pharisees and all of the religious crowd. And it's there that He says, I am the light of the world. And there's this discourse there. Really, they're arguing with the Lord as to who He is and what that He is. And Jesus says, you, you can't hear My Word because you're of your father, the devil. They said, we're Abraham's children. We're free. We're, we're Jews. We're religious. We're people that serve God. We pay tithes. We do all of these things. But the Lord says, you're of your father, the devil. And at the very end of chapter 8, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. So he's claiming to be the eternal God that that the Jews believed in through the Old Testament. And as he said those words, they took up stones to stone him. And Jesus walks out of the temple. See, man couldn't do with Jesus what they wanted to do. He was always in control and always has been and God always will be in control and in authority above all. And so Jesus walks out of the temple and in chapter 9 as He passed by, so they're coming out of the temple now. He's just finished this discourse where Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And here He comes out of the temple and there's, there's a blind man there. And if you look through the Gospels and the book of Acts, you see that often, that people, that beggars, that the blind, the lame, they're laying there at the temple outside. And, and that's because these that come into the temple to worship God, that they're, they're the most compassionate and maybe they'll give something. That's, that's where they set to beg and to try to receive that that would help them through life. And, and as they pass, now here's the common thinking of, man, I, I believe Lynn was getting to it there earlier, that as they looked on this man, the disciples, just as man thinks, why, why did this happen to this fella? Here's a man born blind. Was it his parents that sinned? that caused him to be born blind? Or was it something that you foresaw he was going to do that made him to be born blind? And that's the way man thinks. Man thinks that, well, 
Well, all of these things are a result of sin and something that they've done. You know, I, I believe the whole book of Job is there to prove that that's not always the case. I may sin some great sin, and I may suffer some great calamity as a result of it, but that was not the case with Job. Job's going to suffer and endure, and he's God's man. God said to the devil, this is my man, and he serves me, and he's got a heart that's right, and he flees from the face of evil. That was God's testimony of Job. And you know, Job's going to lose everything that he's got money-wise. He's going to lose everything that he's got family-wise, and he's going to lose even his own health, that his body is a trouble and pain to him, and his friends come together. And what do, what do his friends say? You've sinned some great sin. God's not brought this for no reason, but you've forsaken God, you've forsaken His Word, and you've sinned greatly, and it's, this is the reason that you're suffering. And in Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, I believe Solomon Solomon sees and understands. You know, exactly this, that man thinks, well, I've got good and I've been blessed in this life because I've been good. And these people over here, they, they suffer and they endure such suffering because they've been bad. Now, is that the truth? I mean, I, I'm thankful for the blessings that God's Amen. given me. Amen. But is He paying me because He owes me something? No. I mean, we know that's not the case. We know that's not. And, and Solomon recognized that as well. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrificeth and to him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner. And he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath. So here you've got two different people. And as man looks at it, here's, here's a people that's clean. Here's a people that's righteous, that's offering their sacrifices as the law would prescribe. And here's the Gentiles and the unclean and the wicked. And you know what you see as you look on both of them? You see some that are blessed greatly with great things and with great gain of the world and with wonderful family. And you see some that suffers. Right. You see that both in those that serve and fear God. You see that in those that are Gentiles. And so here he says, No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before him. So that's Ecclesiastes 9 and 1. So you can't look on the outward things that man has and know whether he's really serving God or not. You know, man today, he looks on his outward things and he says, God has blessed me greatly. I must be pleasing to Him. But you know, the Bible says I can't look at those things and determine whether God is pleased with me or not. I mean, if that's the truth, if that's the truth, then we've got a world full of atheists 
that God's far more pleased with than He is us. They've got a thousands of times more than what we'll ever be able to lay our eyes on. That's the truth. So we can't look then on the outward things or the condition of our lives to determine whether I'm right with God nor can I look at the outward things of, of your life and determine that, well, because this has come on them, they failed God in some way. That's what, that's what the Lord is trying to correct in the thinking of the disciples here. What happened that this man is born in this condition? What happened that this man would be born blind? You remember in the book of Luke... There they came to Jesus one day and there were people that were down at the temple and they were offering sacrifices unto God. And it doesn't say why in the Bible, but they must have broken some law. They must have done something evil. And Pilate's uh, police, his army came down and killed them right there at the altar of the temple. And the blood of the sacrifice that they was offering to God was mingled with their blood. And so they said, boy, these, these men, they must have been wicked men that God allowed such evil to come upon them. That's the way man thinks. Yeah. And so I'm sure you all know, you know how Jesus answered that. Suppose ye that they were sinners above all others? Nay, but... Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And then he said, on those that the tower fell on. You suppose that they were sinners. So here was people that were just walking down the street. They, they had nothing going on. They were, maybe they were going to work. Maybe they were going to shop. Maybe they were going to visit family. And the tower fell on top of them. And you know what people would say? Well, well God orchestrated that. And that must have been a, a wicked bunch of people for God to allow such a thing to happen. And Jesus says, do you think that they were sinners above anybody else? Nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So, you know, really, really what I ought to look at, instead of looking at the blind man laying at the temple and saying, you know, what? Well, I wonder what he did to be laying here in that shape. What I ought to do is say, God, why am I not in that shape? God, why am I not? If we're not careful, we'll look at our world. And you know what our world is? They're spiritually blind. You know why it's so hard to get people to come to church? Because people are blind to the truth. People are on the road and by the Word of God, their lives are on the road to eternal destruction and damnation and eternal fire and suffering, and they, they, they don't see that. They are blind to that. You know, it's, it's easy for me to say and to look at them and say, I, I just don't understand why they're so foolish. But the truth is, I know why they are. Because I used to be like that. I was lost. And I was blind. And I thought I was doing good. And I thought I was righteous until the Word of God came and brought conviction on me. 
So if you want to know why a man's a sinner, we can trace that now. We can trace that back all the way to the Garden of Eden. That is man got his beginning there in the garden and God put him there innocent and gave him one commandment. Don't eat of this tree. The day you eat of that, you're going to surely die. I don't know how long they made it there. But it wasn't long. And man's eating of that that God had forbidden. Ain't Now that's the nature of man, is it not? And there man sinned. There man was guilty. There Adam became corrupt. And when the root and the tree is corrupt, every fruit that it bears is corrupt. And so all of the, all of the family of Adam, all of those that came from Adam are from then on corrupted. And you know, it, it wouldn't that I, it, I was waiting until I got to a certain age and sinned that I would become a sinner. But you know, I sinned, honest to God, from birth because I was a sinner. There was this problem there. I was separated from God. I was blinded by the devil. Even as a young child, how how do you explain that? That a two and three year old that does not know good and evil, right and wrong. I mean, they don't have an understanding of that like you and I have. And yet still, you tell them now, if you play with a plug in there, it's going to electrocute you and kill you. Don't do that. And in them is a desire to do exactly what you said not to do. In them is a desire to be rebellious and sin. You know where that came from? That came from the garden. You know where all of this corrupt thinking comes from? It comes from being blind. Now the man's sitting down there begging because he's not able to work. He's not able to do any better. We ought not expect people that are lost to do any better. You know what they need? They need the Lord to come by their way. They need the Lord to speak to their hearts and to open their eyes. And I tell you, when, when the Lord comes by, they'll be able to do better. So who sinned? Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So what's going to happen here? Jesus says, in this man's life, the works of God are going to be revealed, made manifest. It's, it's a picture of taking the cover off of something. When you see them introduce a, a new car model, they bring it out on stage and it's covered up and, and one of the representatives come out and they flip the cover off of it and they're revealing the creation that they've got. That's what the Lord says is here. This man is blind because in him I'm going to uncover the mighty works of God. So even this was under God's control? What is it? Is there a place that's outside of God's control and authority? Is there? And so, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day, The night cometh 
when no man can work. So the Lord says, during the daytime, and we see the picture of this, we've got 12 hours or on average in a day, and it's that time that we work. And you know, when night comes, when night comes, it's not as profitable for me to be out. And the God's truth, we're, we're not able to be out 24-7. So God's give us the daytime that we might work and lay. And I understand people work night shift. I understand that. But I believe the picture still fits. There's a time to work and there's a time that we rest and recover from that. Well, that's the picture he's using, except he's saying, look, we've, I've got time while I'm here. I'm the light of the world. I must work the works that the Father's given me to work while it's day because the nighttime's coming. You know what's going to happen? He's going to go to the cross in just a little while. He's going to go in there. He's going to give His life and He's going to ascend back to the Father and the opportunity for Him to work the works of God's going to be over with. You know, that's where we're all going. We're all easing that way towards the grave. The night's coming when there's not going to be any more opportunity to work. There's going to be no more opportunity for the church to gather together and us being there with it. There's going to be no more opportunity for us to preach the gospel, to teach the Word of God. We're going to stand our last time one day. So what's the Lord say? While I've got opportunity, I'm going to work the works that God would give me to do. May the Lord help us as the people of God in a dark and dying world that we might work the works of God while it's day. Because the time of work is going to come to a close. We were cutting trees yesterday. Daniel said, if we just had a little while longer, I could finish this. But you know, it, it was past time. We didn't have any more time. We had to quit. I, though, though we may desire to labor on and on and on. And man in his foolishness thinks, well, we're just going to go on and on and on. We'll always have opportunity to come to church. We'll always have opportunity to hear the gospel. I'll have opportunity any time that I see fit to get right with God and make things right. But the truth is, the night is coming, and Jesus says that in the night no man can, not may, may or may not, is permission. Can or cannot is ability. And Jesus says in the grave, no man has the ability to work. When night time, and you know, the God's truth it doesn't have to be in the grave. Right, right. We can live out days here yeah. and have no ability. God right. could take that from us. God could <laughs> take from us our opportunity to work. Right. But while it's day and while there's strength and while there's opportunity, ought we not to desire to work the works of God Amen. as Amen. the Lord provides opportunity? Right. Let us labor while it's day, recognizing this, our opportunity to do and to sing. Amen. Our sister said, I'm going to sing as long as I'm able. I hope you sing for years and years to come. Amen. I hope, Lynn, you'll be able to get up and teach 
And I hope you can teach for years and years to come. But let's not take the opportunity that God's given us to gather and to do for the Lord for granted because our last time's coming one day. Let us labor while it's day to glorify and exalt the Lord in a dark and dying world. Jesus said, while I'm here, I'm the light of the world. But you know, in another place He says, I'm going away. I'm not going to be here any longer and ye are going to be the light of the world. You're the source in the world today as God's filled you with His Spirit, as He's delivered you from sin, as He has opened your eyes. Let us work the works of God while we have the opportunity to do so. So, no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Now he's going to spit on the ground. He's going to take his spit and work it into the mud and make clay. And he smears that on the blind man's eyes. Now as, as I think about that, the body, we know what the body's made out of by the Word of God. It's made out of dust. So if you're going to fix something made out of dirt... You're going to use dirt to fix it. Right. And that's what, you know, in the, in the thinking of man, what good is this doing? As a matter of fact, in the thinking of man, that's foolish. I wouldn't let that man rub spit on me. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. It's repulsive. You know that the gospel that calls me to salvation, yep. that tells me that I'm damned to hell right. mm-hmm. and that I must be born again. You know what that is? That's repulsive to people. I don't need to be born again. I mean, look at all the good that I've done in my life. And it, people just can't stomach the thought that I would need to be saved. But this is the way that God saw fit to work in this situation. And what's the blind man going to do? Is he going to do like Naaman? And say, well, there's better rivers and there's a better way for you to do this? You know, man wants to do that with God. God chose the foolishness of preaching. God chose to give us a word of God and God chose to save man and build a church in this world. And you know, man looks at God and says, well, you know, I know better than you. And I really don't need a church not recognizing that it was God that established the church. Jesus Himself, He didn't say, I'm going to save all these individuals and leave them alone out in the world. But He said, Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build... My church. And so the Lord is building a church. As people are saved, you know what they're born into? The family of God. You know who the family of God is? The church of the living God. But man says, you know what? I don't need that church. And I don't need that preaching. And I don't need, I really don't need the Bible outside of just a verse here and there. What I've got's good enough. And God, you're crazy for thinking that I would need that. Would you think about that for just a minute? That's what man's doing. Man does that. Not to me. You can hurt my feelings and that'll be all right. But we're we're doing that to God. God, I, I just know better than you. 
I know what's good for me. And God, you, you really don't know n- nothing. That's, that's ignorant. Oh, I tell you, the gospel's repulsive. But this is the way God's going to work. If this man's going to see, this is how he's going to receive his side. And if, if our families and our people are going to see, if they're going to be brought into the family of God, you know how they're going to come? The way that God made for them to come. And we can argue with God and say, I'm not going. You absolutely can. There's going to be a multitude that's not going to come. That's going to follow the broad way. And many shall say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not? And did we not? And was I not this and that and the other? And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. But if we come to redemption, this is the way that we'll come through the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, he anointed the eyes of the blind man with a clay. So we can see that there. There's a body made of dirt and he is going to fix the eyes of this blind man. And notice this now. We'll never get this far in. He was a man born blind. This wasn't a man that was 70 that had developed cataracts and we're going to cut that off. We can do that today. This isn't a man that, that over time his eyes got bad and bad and he's going to correct his vision like Lasik. We can do that today. But now this is a man that straight out of the womb, his eyes never worked. This was a man that was never, ever, for a day in his life, able to see. There's no fix for that. You know that? We, we can't do anything to repair that yet today. And so here's a man that to God's truth, as I look at it and as you would look at it, there's no hope of that man ever being any different. Maybe that would be the thought as we look on some sinners that well, there's no way that that one will ever be made different. That, that may have been said about me by those that really knew who I was. And yet the Lord, the Lord here is able to fix that and repair that that man is unable to do. You know, there's where we need to get. We, we just can't get them. We just can't wake them up. We just can't get them to come. I agree a thousand percent. You'll never be able to get them. You know where that ought to bring me to? That ought to bring me down on my face under the only one that's able to fix what's wrong in their life. Under the only one that's able to open their eyes that's blinded. The only one that's able to do a work for them that would cause them to see. Talking to a blind man, that ain't going to get it done, is it? You know, you, you think now, think how silly. Here's the blind man here. Well, look, bud, you ought to do better. Open your eyes a little wider. Maybe you need to wash them. Maybe they're just dirty. Wash up and clean up, and then maybe you'll be able to see. Is that going to do him any good whatsoever? Man thinks now that talking that way to sinners 
that are blind is going to wake them up. I'm here to tell you that there's only one power that's able to awaken them that are dead in trespasses and sins and that is the working of the Holy Ghost through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. So this pool of Siloam, it was dug out there in Jerusalem. And it was this pool that Hezekiah built. You remember the enemy was coming on Jerusalem in Hezekiah's day. And he he had them dig a tunnel from the spring of Gihon underground in the rock. And he brought the water in from the outside under the wall of the city and into this pool of Siloam. And from the outside, you couldn't tell that there was any water coming into the city. It was hidden to the enemy and to those that are on the outside. So Jesus sends him to this fountain and He says there, if you notice, which is by interpretation, sent. So Siloam's the name of it. If you want to interpret that name, it means sent. And if you look up that word there, it's to be sent out or dispatched on a mission. Now who does that sound like? Gihon, the the spring. That spring, that name Gihon, it means virgin's fountain. And so this, this pool then that was sent, it was sent from the virgin's fountain down under the wall and into the city of Jerusalem. And so the Lord says, go to this pool and wash. You know the only place that there is to wash is in the one that gave His life that came from a virgin, came from the womb of a virgin, and gave His life for the sins of man. It's in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can find redemption. So clay was used to repair a body made of clay. But boy, there's something better than clay going to have to be given to fix what's wrong inwardly. Because, see, it's God that's been sinned against. In our world today, if you rub enough money on it, you can make just about all of it go away. If you've got enough clout and you've got enough cash, you can get away and out of just just about anything that you'd like to get out of. See, it's not that way with God. Do you know what that is really? When I get the speeding ticket... I want to rub a little money and make it go away. That feels good. But you know what that is? That's injustice, isn't it? The law's being skirted around that I might have it a little easier on me. It's injustice for that to be. You know, with God, He's perfectly, completely just. There can be no injustice with God because He's holy and He's pure. And he's sinless. And we can't skirt around the law of God. And as man has sinned, have you sinned? If you've not, then if you've not sinned, raise your hand. Not a hand in the house. We know that, don't we? You don't have to be smart to figure that out. So as we've sinned, God says in His Word, well, you know, my sin's... My sin's nowhere as bad as some of these other people that I know. God's Word 
It don't tell me. As a matter of fact, it tells me not to look at other people and measure myself by them. But you know what God's Word says? It says you've sinned and the wages of sin is death. We all know that as well. And so what do I owe God? You mean to tell me that my sin is worthy of a death penalty? That's what the Bible says. Now if you believe something different, then what you're believing is contradictory to what the Bible says. And you know, it's, it's more than just dying and being planted in the grave. It's more than that. And we believe that. Somebody that's evil, that we despise, that, that we know has done all these evil works and they die, we say, God, I want you to, I want you to punish them. More. More than just here. And that's the Word of God. Tells me that it's more than just here. The truth is now, if this life is all there was, there was nothing beyond this grave. There was no judgment. There was no hell. And there was no heaven. We're the craziest people on the face of the earth. Paul himself said if that was the case, and if this life was all that there was, we were of all men the most miserable. But you know, the Word of God tells me that it's appointed once to die and then there's going to be a judgment. Then I'm going out to stand before God. And if I go outside of the Lord Jesus, I'm going to be cast into where? You know where they're going to be cast. One sin? How many sins did Adam commit to be cast out of the garden and the curse come upon all of mankind. That was one sin. And by one man's transgression, sin came into the world and death came upon all of man. But you know, the Lord Jesus... Now, me taking dirt and rubbing on me, that's not going to fix that inward problem. And you know, through the Old Testament... They offered the blood of bulls and of goats. No telling how many thousands and thousands and millions of goats and lambs and oxen and turtle doves was offered all through the Old Testament. You know what that was? That was, well, I'm guilty and God's law requires a death penalty. And I'm going to bring this lamb up here and I'm going to confess my sins over the head of that and the priest is going to cut that thing's throat. Its blood's going to run out and there it's going to die and that lamb is dying in my place. And they did this day after day and year after year. They offered these sacrifices, the Bible says in Hebrews, for sins. That's the problem. Sin is the problem. But the blood of bulls and goats, give me just a second to turn there, in Hebrews chapter number 9, neither by the blood of bulls, goats, and calves, but by His own blood He entered into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats 
and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So the problem then is it's not in the flesh. It's inside of man. It's in the soul of man. That's where man died in the garden. I've heard Greg say this several times recently. God told Adam in the day that you eat of that, you shall surely die. Now Adam didn't die in the flesh. He lived 600 and some years after that, didn't he? But he did die that day. And if he didn't, then God lied. That's the only two options we've got. And so see, it wasn't in the flesh that Adam died in the garden, but it was in the soul. Adam died in the garden. And it's that soul that needs to be repaired and fixed. And so if clay will fix the clay body, then what's, what's going to fix that part that God breathed into man? It's going to be God that's going to fix that. Bulls and goats and calves, they can never take away sin. But you know what that was? God gave that to them as a type and a shadow of a, and a picture of what God was going to do in Jesus. That the priest could say, look, we're bringing this lamb down here and this is what God's going to do for us. God's going to bring His Son, the perfect and sinless Lamb of God, and His life is going to be given. He's going to suffer. He's going to carry our sins. The just for the unjust that we might be delivered from the bondage of corruption. This is done now. This is done through Jesus and His sacrifice. Without Jesus' blood being shed, then there's no hope for mankind. There's none. There's not enough works that can do. But now, you know what those bulls and goats were? He says here in Hebrews, to the purifying of the flesh... Now, if I had done something, if I had come in contact with a dead body, just for instance, in the Old Testament, that would make me unclean. But you know, God had prescribed that if I would take this sacrifice to the priest and I would wash myself, I could be made clean from that. Those sacrifices were sufficient to cleanse and purify me that I might go back to the temple and worship God. Amen. If the bulls and goats could cleanse my flesh, then you tell me then what the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God that was willingly sacrificed, what can that do for me? I tell you what He says, it gets beyond the flesh. It gets beyond the man that you look at. And He says He'll cleanse even your conscience from dead works. I tell you, when I go to bed tonight, I don't lay down wondering whether I've done enough good to get to heaven, but I know that by the blood of Jesus my sin has been forgiven and I have the Bible says eternal redemption. Never ending. Through the blood. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the blind man sent to the fountain he washes 
And he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Let me read that one more time. This is, this is one sentence. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Now that reads awful easy. But what do you think happened there? Can you see it? Can you see, here's, here's a blind man. He's been blind all of his life, 38 years I believe, is how old the man is. He's been blind from his mother's womb. And here he is, he's fiddling his way and feeling. Maybe he's asked somebody, could you help me get to the pool? I, I'm sure if you've got a newer Bible, there's maps in the back. Looks like about a quarter to a half a mile from the temple where Jesus was to the pool of Siloam. So he's feeling his way or he's got somebody to help him find his way down to this pool and they get him there and, and he goes in and he washes that clay that the Lord put on him and he comes out of the water and opens his eyes and for the first time in his life he can see. Can you see that? What I, I see it I see it in Naaman as well. That Syrian that had leprosy. Yeah. And you know, no doubt that was a trouble to him. And this this is gonna kill me. But you know, he went down in the Jordan and the seventh time he come up. I, I believe every time the man went down and washed, when he got up, he looked at those spots. You believe that? Well, you know, he come up the seventh time. And when he looked for those spots, they were gone. And you know those spots, the Bible says his skin was like a child's skin. God had done a work that no man could do. Now do you reckon, do you reckon that he just turned and walked out of there and never said a word? Can't you see it? Can't you see him look and say, Lord have mercy, would you look at my skin? Would you look at that? That spot that was there. You knew about that spot. Look at it. It's gone. God has delivered me from the plague of leprosy and He went all the way back to Elijah's and He was praising God for the work that He had done. Now here's a blind man. He's never saw anything. Maybe he's there with his friend. He washes and comes up and for the first time, he sees his friend's face. For the first time, he sees what the world looks like round about him. The Bible may say he went washed and came forth seeing, and I believe that's exactly how it happened. But I believe when he come out of that water, he was saying, look at what things look like. I've never seen this before. Glory to this man. He didn't know who he was here. But glory to this man. That's opened mine eyes and done this work right. for me. Now this, this change, what do you think changed in this man's life? He was a blind man. He'd always been blind. He couldn't do anything. He just went down the temple and sat there at the gate. What do you think about this man's day-to-day activity was different now that he could see? I know this. He didn't look the same. The neighbors, therefore, 
And they which before had seen him that he was blind said, Is not this he that sat and begged? So here's the picture now. I I believe he's going back to the temple to find the Lord. And so here's this man that's always been blind and now he's going up a what road? And people are looking and saying, Wait a minute. That's that blind man. That was him that just went by and he's not blind anymore. Something has happened to this man. Look at how he's walking. And some said, well, it looks like him. I believe it might have been him. And some said, I think no way. That's just somebody that looks like him. That's just somebody that resembles him. But you know what he said? He said, that was me. I was blind. I laid at the gate. I couldn't see. But you know something's happened to me. God got a hold of me. God's opened my eyes. And now I can see. I tell you, his life was changed. Changed by miraculous power and working of God Almighty. And you know what this is going to do? I would that we had time and strength to go through this chapter. This is a wonderful, wonderful chapter in the book of John. But the Pharisees are going to get in an argument with this man. That man's of the devil. He's not of God. There's no way that God done that work. That's what they're going to say. And this blind man that's been blind from his birth, and remember remember what the disciples said. Who sinned that he'd be in that shape? The Pharisees, they think the same way. This man's going to say, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I don't know him enough to tell you whether he sinned or not, but I do know this. I know that I was blind for 38 years and I know that this man done a work on me and I know that I can see now he knew that without question that God had done a miraculous work in him he said now how can a man do this that's not got the power of God on him common sense wouldn't you say they said you was altogether born in sins and you're going to teach us and they threw him out of the temple. But they could not deny the work that God done in his life. And though religion and the world has robbed a lot of power and glory from God, and they, they call everything saved today, I'm thankful to hear some people Request prayer for people that are lost. And in the eyes of a multitude today, everybody's saved. And everybody's going to heaven, whether they go to church or not. I helped in a funeral for a lady that I've known her my whole life, had never been to church. And the preacher get up and say, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. Now, I'll say this, and this is the truth. It's not going to church 
that's getting me to heaven. Right. It's the blood of Jesus. Amen. But see, when, yeah. when Jesus opens your eyes yeah. and you can see, yeah. you don't want to go lay back at the All gate right. where you've always yeah. laid. You want to go inside the temple and you want to glorify Him. So you see this work of God that He does in lost people's lives. He makes, as He says in 2 Corinthians 5, new creatures out of people. God changed their life. We can see a picture of this in Ezekiel. If you'll turn and look with me. Ezekiel chapter number 36. Another another beautiful chapter of the Bible. We're just going to look at a couple verses of it. Ezekiel 36, verse number 24. For I, who is I? God is the I in these verses. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. What's happening? In the little picture we've got in John chapter 9, what's happening in Ezekiel is a blind man is being given his sight. Here is fallen and sinful man that's being regenerated, reborn by the power of God and they're becoming a new creature in Jesus Christ. God has changed their inward. You see that heart and you see that spirit, that rebellious spirit that had always been in man and that heart that despised the things of God. God's removed that. Put His Spirit in them and by the book and cause you to walk in My statutes. There's a power in them that are saved that they can't help it. You can't help but follow God. That's right. Ah, now I don't believe that. Well, Jeremiah said, you've got to get the whole picture of Jeremiah. Yeah. Prophet in the Old Testament at a wicked time in the nation. Yeah. And he's warning of the judgment of God and the whole country despises him. Yeah. And they say, you're unpatriotic. You don't love Israel. You're not God's man. You're a liar. And eventually the king takes him and puts him in the dungeon. Now the dungeon ain't the happy little prisons we have today, but the dungeon's down at the bottom of the city where the sewer and the filth run, and they throw him down in the dungeon, and he sinks up to his shoulders in the mire, the Bible says, and they fed him with bread and water of affliction. Yeah. Now that's not moldy bread, but that bread and water of affliction, they're giving him just enough that he don't die. But he's always thirsty, and he's always hungry. You see where the man man was in a terrible place, wouldn't you say? And you know what he said? He said, Lord, your word has only caused me trouble. That's the way it looked, ain't it? He said, I'll never speak your name again as long as I live. 
And I, I believe that the man meant it. Now I'm paraphrasing. It's in the book of Jeremiah. You can find it. Yeah. He said, I'll never speak your name again. I'm done telling these people about their sins. All that this has got me is trouble and anguish and torment. I'll never do this anymore. And the next verse says, but the word was as a fire shut up in my bones and I could not stay. Even when Jeremiah meant to quit, the power of God in him would not allow him to quit. Ain't it amazing today how many people can up and quit? Yeah, right. Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. I'm sure most of you know Vaughn, my uncle. He asked, he's asked me many times, Son, would the Lord let you do that? No. No, He wouldn't. So how can they? That's a good question, ain't it? i tell you the reason a multitude can. They've never had their eyes right, opened. Right. But i tell you when the Lord opens their eyes yeah. and the Lord makes a new creature out of them, when the Lord moves in to their inward man and the Lord awakens them, they won't be walking down the road of feeling anymore. But just like this blind man, I believe every facet of this man's life was different. Everything was different. A silly example, but one you can see. I had glasses all my life from first grade second grade and it had got to where I was about 2250 if it wasn't that big and it was farther than that away I couldn't see it they did LASIK on me and you know I, I wore glasses 24-7 the only time I took them off was in the bed and in the shower so me being able to see I could see with glasses anyway but you know when I got in the shower there's where I noticed the difference because in there my glasses were always off and I couldn't see anything. But now here I am and I can... This may sound plumb silly to you, but I can read the shampoo bottle. I could never read that. I couldn't see it enough to read it in the shower. And there, I, that, that's where it really hit me. But this, this man... He wasn't a man getting corrective lenses. Right. This is a man receiving his sight. Yes. And every part of his life is going to change as a result of it. When he sits down at dinner time, it's going to be different. Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah. When, he, when he goes out on the road and he's walking, it's going to be different. Yeah. When he's down at the temple... He's, he's going to be different. He's going to be a man that the neighbors are going to say, what has happened to this fella? I'm telling you, people that get saved and they go to work and nobody knows any difference about them, that ain't a work of God. They might have moved because of man. They might have got on a do-better list. But when God does a work, they'll be a new creature. They'll be different.